Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Anyone remember when people dressed nice to go out and about? These young people probably don't. But my wife tells me a story about when her family was still all at home, her brothers and sister were there, that when they went to the mall, they would dress up. Now, I've got to ask, because I never have, did the boys wear ties? No, okay, they just dressed up. Okay. I started getting slightly worried there. But I, I, I watched a video, uh, an old-time black-and-white video not too long ago, about people that were gathering around town, walking about, and uh, back in the 1940s, 50s, people that just were around town doing their banking, their local business, they were they were dressed about like I'm dressed, suit and tie, the hats, and I wish the hats would make a big comeback. I look dorky in one, but I've tried. I've got hats at home. I've bought hats, put them on in the store, put them on like, yeah, that looks good. I get them home like that. Who are you kidding? You look like a, a dork in that hat. I, I envy those those guys that can throw one of those those hats on and look sharp in them. It seems like everybody can but me. I just I just don't think I look good anymore. But I look back at those days and I think, where have the days gone by? You know, where has the just self-respect, I guess, gone by? And I'm not trying to diss anybody. I, I certainly hope I don't offend anybody today. But I get a little bit weary of running around town and seeing people that look like they just rolled out of bed doing their business around town. The banking, the shopping. I'm not saying we have to dress in suit and tie. I'm just saying I kind of miss those, those days when, when people cared about what they looked like. Amen. I want to take you today to Luke chapter 24, verse 45, and I've got a message today that I want to try to convey to you in the best way possible, because I believe that the Lord cares about how we're dressed. I know most of you right now, you already think you know where I'm going. I'm not going there, not today. This is not a, uh, a message about hem lines and sleeve links and that type of stuff. That's, that's not what this message is about today. But I believe the Lord wants us to be clothed properly. He has a plan for us to be clothed. Luke chapter 24, verse 45, Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. He's talking to the disciples here. They're standing about ready to watch Jesus ascend up into the heavens. He's about ready to leave. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. See, the crucifixion is already over. He's come back from the dead. He's appeared to all these folks, and now they're standing on Bethany's hill, and he's given final instructions. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And I would just ask, 
whose name is he talking about? His, right? And who is he? He is Jesus. So he's saying, repentance. Remission of sins. Preach it in the name of Jesus, beginning at Jerusalem. Ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. I've entitled this message today, Dress for Success. Dress for Success. Amen. You may be seated today. God bless you. Some of you that are my age and older, uh, older you grew up, Maybe I, I was growing up in, in grade school in the 70s. I still remember this um, this book. The name of this book still carries weight today. There was a guy by uh, the name of John Malloy that wrote a book called Dress for Success. And it was such an um, important book for its day and had such well, people just loved it. People were buying it up in droves. It became a best-selling book. And, and so because of that uh, and because of his ideas about dressing for success, he got invitations to speak all over the country. High schools, colleges were bringing him, him in. He was lecturing people. The whole point of his ideas was that if you're looking to, uh, to make your way up the ladder, of society, if you're looking for a specific job, if you're if you're wanting to have an advantage or an edge over your competitors that are also vying for the same position that you are, then there is a way that you should attire yourself so that you can walk into a room and immediately have an advantage over those that are not dressed the way that you are dressed. Now, I believe that that still holds very true. As a matter of fact, I still adhere to that philosophy on a lot of different things. I've discussed it with my wife. I've talked to to the church about it before, about how differently I am treated when I walk through the hallways of 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 a an establishment, maybe a hospital visit or something like that. I would get off of my secular job and be in my uniform, and I always brought a change of clothes because I was treated so much differently when I dressed appropriately for the job that I was going to do. Now, my other attire didn't keep me from doing the job, but it did cause people to look at me differently when I was walking the halls. The idea of dressing for success is nothing that is new. Most of us have heard of the term power tie, right? Maybe it's a maybe that's something that goes back a few years, but still, it's something that 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 uh, a lot of people do. You see a lot of presidents that when they uh, they are in front of, of an audience, they come walking in and they have they have on what they consider to be a power tie. It, it's a small small uh, uh, symbol that they wear around their neck that tries to give them an upper hand or an advantage or make them look important or make them seem more powerful. They're just another man. Their blood is just red like anybody else's in the room. 
but there's something about the way that they dress themselves that creates an image of power. The necktie, many of you hate it. I, I, I tend to, I hope the necktie never goes away. I, I, I like, I like neckties. I, if you come to my house, uh, my closet's about ready to fall over to the left because I probably have close to 100 neckties. Now, just before you get all thinking, you know, the pastor's got a problem, the tie that I have on today, $3. $3. Okay, just so you know, I don't, ha- I don't go out and buy 70 and $80 ties. I think it's silly. I went in JCPenney's yesterday looking for ties. They said 50% off, and at 50% off, they were still 20-some dollars. I said, pass. Never mind. I don't need a $20 tie. I can find $3 ties that suit me just fine. Now, this tie that I have on is pretty uh, just modern uh, and, and just pretty simple and pretty basic. But, but there's something about a certain color of a tie that people look at it and they say, that is a power tie. Those that are fashionable anyway. You can trace the origination of the net tie all the way back. Thousands of years, men have been putting ties of one sort or another around their neck as a symbol of power and authority. It's true. It's nothing new. Nothing new at all. It's it's our nature to like power as human beings. Nobody likes to be ignored, right? Everybody wants to be heard. Now, I'm not saying that we're the type of people that walk in and want to be able to crush everybody in the room. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we walk into a room of people and nobody seems to pay us any attention, it can somehow leave us feeling a little bit defeated and a little bit down if we feel like nobody even notices that we are there. We like to play a part and a role. And there are times when we get into an argument with somebody where we like to have a little bit of power underneath our belt. We like to have a little bit of power and authority in our voice. We want to be heard and listened to. We want to be effective. We want to have power. Young people probably don't remember E.F. Hutton, but us old folks, we remember that when E.F. Hutton spoke, people listened. Quite the campaign. We like things that make us feel powerful. Even our vehicles have become an extension of our attire. I, uh, you know, you're going to have to put up some of the same stories because I I don't have any whole lot of new ones. Uh, So so sometimes they fit in. I, I remember back when my wife and I, we were just getting started. We had just moved into a our new home, which was a 14 by 70 foot trailer. It was our new home. And so we moved into that. We were so excited to have our own place. We were so excited to be on our own. Uh, I was always worried about the bills. I, I wanted to take care of the bills. I wanted to take care of our responsibility. Didn't want to fall behind. And so we wound up buying this car that was like the 1980s version of today's smart car. You've seen the smart cars. They're basically a go-kart that has a shell placed on top of it. That's about all they are. 
I'm thinking, that is really cool. I hope you're saving gas, but I also hope that you never get into a wreck because you will be like a bug splattering on somebody's windshield. And, and our little Starlet, our little Toyota Starlet that we bought with 100,000 miles on it for 1,500 bucks, uh, we, we, we drove around in that car, and, and I remember the way that I felt when I drove that car. Uh, the, there was a part of me that enjoyed it because I thought, I'm getting 40 miles to the gallon, and, uh, and I'm saving money, and, and that's money that I can use to buy groceries for my kids and take care of my wife and maybe get us something new every once in a while. But the other part of me didn't like it, and that was the part when I was trying to merge into traffic, heavy traffic, and I'd step down on the gas and nothing would happen. I think it went slower the more I stepped on the gas. That thing was a dud. You did not feel powerful. You did not feel, you did not feel uh, like a person of authority driving around in a Toyota Starlet. I don't care if you were... Uh, Hulk Hogan driving around in that thing, you were going to look like a little wimp, wimpy guy because that little car had nothing to offer in the form of power. It didn't look powerful because it wasn't powerful. But then there came a day when I was driving through a certain town and I saw a truck and I had a little bit of extra cash that we had saved up, and I've always wanted one, and I wound up buying me a 1987 Chevy Silverado, short bed, four-wheel drive pickup truck, black with chrome trim along the bottom. Now, it wasn't expensive. I'm making it sound better than it was, but it was what I could afford. But what I am trying to tell you is, man, it sounded good. You fired that 350 engine up, and it was boom, and you, you, you stepped down on the gas on that thing, and you could get through traffic, and if you couldn't get through traffic, you could run over it. I can't tell you how many times I'd be driving down the road, and somebody pull up alongside me, and they're like, I'd say, yep, wave down at everybody because it set high, had big old tires on it, tires, 33-inch tires. You know, who buys those anymore? Those are $500 a piece probably today. The big tires, and that, that truck was cool, and it, it was neat, and it was loud, and it was powerful, and you stepped on the gas, honey. It would take you places. You could go places, and you could go through places and, and over things, and it was a, it was a neat truck and when I drove it I didn't feel like the same guy that drove that little Toyota Starlet around I felt like I was king of the road big tires big engine loud muffler power Jesus left us with a promise promise that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. It was not a weak, anemic message. It was a promise of a new wardrobe. He said, Terry. What's the word Terry mean? In this instance, it means wait. It means I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. Don't you be a uh, uh, don't you be uh, uh, the type of people that just go there for a few minutes and if nothing happens, I want you to wait until something happens because if you will go to Jerusalem and if you will wait, if you will tarry, I will endue you with power. Now that word endue simply means I will clothe you. What's the, 
what's the Lord telling us? He said, I have a new wardrobe for you. You cannot get through this thing by yourself. You cannot get to it the Old Testament way. No, I have got a new wardrobe that I am going to clothe you with, and it's not a wardrobe that's going to leave you feeling weak. It is a powerful wardrobe, and you're going to walk different, and you're going to talk different, and you're going to preach different, and you're going to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. He said, I'm going to dress you for success. Because as it's already been said today, without him we can do what? He said, I'm going to change that. We have not been given the spirit of fear. But the Bible says, I gave you power. And I gave you love. And I gave you a sound mind. Amen. The church that you are a part of should never be a church that is weak. That never should be a church that can't accomplish the job that God calls us to do. Why? Because he has given us the Holy Ghost with power. Amen. And that power has clothed you and I. And we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Remember, not too long ago, I watched a video. Somebody found a, a homeless beggar. His hair was all ratty, long, stringy. Face, face was just full of big, big beard. It was dirty. His clothes were dirty. You, you've seen what, what people look like that, that are living on the streets. They don't have a, a place to go, no new clothes. Their, their clo his clothes were, were, were dirty. His teeth were were messed up, missing a few teeth, and and, and uh, for whatever reason, th this place brought that man in, and and they 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 showered him, and they took him to a, a professional barber and got him a nice haircut. They trimmed his facial hair all up, and and they cleaned him, and they they fixed his teeth, and they put him in a suit. And I'll never forget the way that that old man looked at himself when he stood in front of the mirror for the very first time in a nice business suit, looking clean and sharp and taken care of and manicured. Everything about his old life was gone. He stood there looking at a new creation that somebody had invested in. Well, the same thing happened to you and me when we hit the altar and the Lord gave us the Holy Ghost for the very first time. I was a beggar. I was lost. I was homeless, but God picked me up and he brought me to a place and he said, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to give you a new wardrobe and you're not going to be able to look at yourself the same as you used to. And nobody else will either. I'm telling you, sometimes we forget who we are in Christ. I've come to tell somebody today, you're not a beggar. God has dressed you for success, not failure. You have everything you need when you get the Holy Ghost to begin to live a successful life for the Lord. That doesn't mean that problems won't come your way. That don't mean that difficulties and circumstances won't hit you right upside the head. That doesn't mean that you're never going to suffer loss or you're never going to go through a hard time. But what it does mean is that you have a, uh, a, 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 a clothing attire that the Lord has given you for you to get through every single trial that you're ever going to face on this earth. He said, I don't want you dressed in your old clothes. 
I don't want you looking or feeling helpless. I'm going to do something to change you. You go to Jerusalem and you wait until I clothe you with a new clothing line. I'm going to give you something and I'm going to wrap you up in it and you're going to walk out of that prayer meeting different than you walked in. Your life is going to be changed. Watch this. Watch the transformation here. Just a few days before Pentecost, the disciples, their picture of defeat. Why? Because the teacher, the master, the Messiah that they had been following, they had their own ideas. Just as Brother Jones, he was, he, he was all over that this morning. You know, sometimes we think we got God figured all out. Oh, Jesus is coming. We're going to set this world straight. He's going to take care of all of our enemies. There's going to be power and everything's going to change. And we're going to sit here right here and rule and reign with him. But he had other plans. That's not the way it was to be. And so now Jesus has been crucified. He's been laying in a tomb. The disciples are just a ragtag team of misfits that that don't have a leader anymore. All they have is a promise, but it's not working out quite like they had supposed that it would. I'll give you a short rundown. After Jesus' crucifixion, they flee. Peter, who had been a wonderful, wonderful disciple for the Lord while he was there, when he's put in a corner, he's, swears up and down that he had no part in Jesus' work. One of the 12, Judas, has run off and taken his own life. That would take the heart out of most anybody, especially a small group. It wasn't like they had a 5,000-member uh, congregation that they could gather with and try to figure things out. It wasn't like they were a bunch of attorneys and lawyers and, and generals and, and, and mayors and, and government officials. No, we're talking about fishermen. Fearless leaders were a band of directionless, scared men that were disheartened, running for their lives. I think it's kind of comical almost. Simon Peter kind of sums it up in John 21 and 3. And I'm just going to paraphrase. He said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> we don't know what, what to do. The Messiah is gone. He said, I go fishing. I'm, not much has changed, huh, ladies? We find ourselves in a little spot, and our way out, our way to relax, our way to get away from stress. I, babe, I just need a, a day out on the lake. I just need to go fishing. I need to grab my fishing pole and get out of here for a while and go do a little bit of fishing. Simon Peter was a fisherman. He, he basically said, well, there's nothing else to do here. It's over. It's done. Might as well go fishing. Might as well go You know what the rest of them said? Hey, wait up for us. We'll, we'll come with you. They didn't, have, they didn't know what to do either. And so here they are with no direction. Peter said, let's go fishing. They're like, all right, let's, let's, let's go fishing. But the Bible said that while they were out there that night, they didn't catch a thing. Empty nets. Why? Because that was never their purpose. God was about ready to change their occupation. They were not going to be successful doing something that God had not called them to do. 
and neither will you or I. If God has called you to do something for him and you run away from it, honey, you might find a little uh, fulfillment in it at times, but you will never find true success until you are right in the middle of God's call and his purpose for your life. You won't find it until you get right in the middle of his will for what he wants you to do. On fishing. Sometimes when we feel vulnerable, when we feel like the Lord has kind of gone cold on us or don't feel like we can feel him, we, we tend to head back to what we know. Downstairs cleaning out the basement the other day. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this. I had a favorite blanket when I was a little boy. Anybody else have a favorite blanket? Oh, did it have the little silky edging around it that you could rub? Huh? What was it called? Your dink dink? Dink dink, that's just as bad as dink dink. Okay, who else wants to embarrass themselves today? Yeah, Sister Fisher, okay, there we go. Okay, we got them all. All you, all you people in here had, had your little favorite thing. What was that? That was your security blanket. That's what it was for me. I would go to bed, and, and I, would, I would lay there, and no matter what was going on in the day, I, Mom would throw that blanket over me and have that little silk edging, and I would sit there and rub that with my thumb, and all was well in the rice house. We were downstairs the other day cleaning out the basement, and guess what I ran across? I went, oh, <laughs> and I immediately became like eight years old again. And the first thing to, that I was doing without even realizing I was doing it, I was rubbing that little silk edge on that. I said, oh, it still feels so good. My wife was laughing at me. I said, oh, my word. I said, I said, should I throw this out? It's got holes all over in it. You know, I mean, if I tried to sleep with it, I'd probably strangle myself because it, there, there's holes all over it. But, but, but I couldn't. Couldn't throw it away. We like things that make us feel comfortable. Simon Peter says, I don't know what's going on. I feel vulnerable right now. I feel a little lost right now. So I'm gonna go do the one thing where I always know what I'm gonna what I'm gonna be doing. I know how to go fishing, but it brought him no success. Headed back to their old occupation. It was the only thing they really knew how to do. But Jesus had other plans. We fast forward a little bit to the hill of Bethany. The Bible says he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He gave them a little bit of a preview of what was to come is actually what he did because once you receive the Holy Ghost, once you're clothed in the clothing that God wants to clothe you in, you'll understand this better. You'll read it differently. You ever try to understand somebody speaking to you in a foreign language? You might pick up on a few things, but you can't really understand everything. And if there's something really important, you want to know that you're getting it right. There's nothing more important today than making heaven. 
There's nothing more important on this. I don't care what's going on in your life. There is nothing more important than what could happen in your life in the next 20 to 30 minutes of this service. When you receive the Holy Ghost, that thing comes alive. Every day that I read it, the Lord just throws things at me. I've read the same scriptures over and over again, and I get something new out of them every time. And I, I, I go to the word of the Lord, and, and I, I've got a problem that I don't have an answer to, and all of a sudden, it just appears right there before me. As I'm reading it, I get guidance. I, I see it differently than I, than I saw it before because my eyes have been opened. I'm reading it and understanding it differently because I have spoken in a language, amen, that, that, that only comes from heaven. I can understand what it's saying so much better now. He opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. He said, it's written, as it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He said, you've witnessed these things. You've seen the power. You've seen the miracles. You've seen the people that have gathered in. You've seen the things that I can do as God manifested in the flesh. You have seen it with your own eyes. You have witnessed it. And he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until, until ye be endued with power from on high. How could it be that these men that were running for their life, these men that were hiding in corners, these men that were going off traipsing, doing things that, that, that God had not called them to do, how could it be that it was these same men that just a few months later would be preaching and prophesying and laying hands upon people? How was, I'll tell you how it was. They got a new wardrobe on the day of Pentecost when they began to go and wait upon God to come, when they began to dig their teeth into the promise and not let go until they received the promise. Then that promise fell in that upper room like a mighty rushing wind and fire set upon each one of them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Clap your hands, all you people. Come on, somebody thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. They walked in powerless and afraid and frightened Ten days later, they come out of that room a small band of men that would change the world. We are recipients of what took place on that day. Some thought it was an emotion. Ah, it's a blow over. But emotion doesn't go very far when it comes up against opposition. I've seen emotion change rather quickly. Watch a boxer step, in, step into a ring that really hasn't, he hasn't really put his all in all into preparing himself for a fight. He may look tough, but if he hasn't put the work in, he, he takes one kidney shot, and that, that guy's going down. One shot to that perfect spot on the chin, no amount of playing the part is going to really cover for him when he's in the ring. 
with the opposition. It takes more than emotion. Years later, these men are still preaching, traveling, telling others about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of them gave their life for what they experienced, realizing that what they had had power to take them into the next life, and they'd rather lay down their life for Christ here than give it up and, and suffer for all eternity. Amen. They believed in something. They had been clothed with something. They had been dressed for success, and thank God that they didn't walk away from it because here we are today in 2022, and there are people all over this building that have been filled with that same power. You've been clothed with that same spirit. You have been dressed for success, and yet sometimes we walk in failure not realizing that God has given us the power to succeed. Took on that same spirit, same nature, same power as Jesus Christ. He said, I go to way to prepare a place. Where I go, you can't come, you can't follow me here. Not yet, you can't follow me here. I'm gonna I'm gonna prepare it, make it ready. But I'm going to send the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. That's not me saying it. That's the Word of God saying it. I'm going to send the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. You're going to be endued with power. God did not leave his church with no weaponry. God did not leave his church weak. It didn't take 5,000 to start the church off that, that we have today. It was, it was 12 men with a change in their ability that God could only give them. It was 12 men that walked through the earth and began to teach and to preach the things that we are still experiencing today. We have not gone out of the dispensation of grace. We are still living in the time where the Holy Ghost is being poured out. But there will come a day when the Lord says it's enough, it's over, it's done. Let me tell you something right now. It's the time for us to have the Holy Ghost moving in our church. It's the time for having the Holy Ghost moving in our own individual lives. I want God's power because I can't make it unless I have it. Believe that we can be world changers. Two young ladies right now sitting in classrooms learning about how to become world changers over at Urshan College. Brother Michael just graduated last year. I believe that he's gotten some things in his mind. I believe the Lord has instilled some things. I there's other people. You don't have to go to Bible college. It's just, it, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing for those that are called to do those kinds of things. But you can be a world changer whether or not you go to Bible college. I believe we have world changers right here in this place today. Our little church? Yes. Yes, our little church. Romans 8 and 11 says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That word quickens means to make alive. 
From the moment that we are born, we begin the process that heads towards death. This body is temporary. It only lasts so long. In our younger days, we have a tough time with that concept, but the older we get, we begin to realize that things just ain't what they used to be. laughing this morning, my wife said, well, definitely can't go, definitely can't go golfing today. I said, I really don't want to anyway. Well, I had this catch in my back. I said, oh, and, and, and my hip's hurting too. I, I got a little catch in my hip. I started laughing at myself. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong. The old body is getting older. As much as I fight it, as much as I want to deny it, all I have to do is look in the mirror, and I don't even have to do that. All I got to do is get up out of bed. You think that's funny, don't you, TJ? He's laughing at me he's like that, that, that. He's getting old. That's all right. One of these days, you're going to get old, too. This body is mortal. It's going to pass away. The spirit, Jesus Christ, that is living in you and cause your spirit to be able to live forever. Our music would come today. It's a very simple message to remind us that we have been dressed in new clothed with power. And I just can't seem to get it right. I just can't. Right? You've got power to think right. You've got power to overcome carnal thoughts, carnal tendencies. If you have the Holy Ghost, you've got the power to talk right, you've got the power to speak with boldness about what the Lord has done for you. You have a power to be a witness because God has called his church to be witnesses. He said, you've seen it. Why, why do we have power? Because we have seen with our own eyes people filled with the supernatural gift of the Holy Ghost. It's not something I just read about in a book and I've never experienced it. I've experienced it myself. It's an incredible, incredible thing. When God comes upon you and you invite him inside of your heart, you begin praying and thanking him for things and asking him for forgiveness. There's nothing quite so peaceful and life-changing as when that spirit comes in. You know, I've had a lot of cheap suits in my life. No big deal. The one I got on today is a pretty cheap suit. I walked into a store a few years ago, and I found an expensive suit. Thousand dollars, and that was that was the sale price. Sixteen hundred dollar suit. 
I looked at it and laughed. I said, why do I always pick these out? And I started to put it back in when something made me look at the price tag. I said, yeah, of course I would like that, a thousand bucks. And I just happened to reach down and look at the price tag, and I couldn't believe my eyes. It said, on clearance, 90% off. I grabbed that suit, and I walked over to that guy, and I said, I need you to confirm this. Am I seeing this right? Is this really only $99 for this suit? He said, the best deal in the store right now. I don't know how we marked it down that low. But he said, yes. I don't even know if I tried it on. I was going to make it work. I don't even know if I checked this. I could have walked in like this with my $1,000 suit on. I'm really not sure. But when I slipped that thing on, I told my wife, I said, Oh, my goodness. And when I wore it, people say, now, that's a nice suit. They can tell the difference between my cheap ones. I, I've been looking for $100, $1,000 suits from now. I've never found another one yet. Because I like the way it felt when I slipped it on. I told my wife, I said, why? I never realized how much different a really nice suit felt. I think I walked a little bit taller. I think I looked a little bit more handsome. My smile was a little bigger. I think I even hurt better. I, I just fixed a lot of things. I felt different. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you feel different. You walk a little taller. You understand things a little bit. I think you're, I think even you get a little bit smarter when you get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Would you stand with me today? I want us to close our eyes and bow our heads if we would. I know we have some folks in here today that maybe it's been a while since you've since you've had the Holy Ghost interrupt your daily routine. Maybe we got some young people in here today or some, even some children that have not yet received the, the Holy Ghost. I, I want you to know you don't have to be afraid of it. The beautiful thing about God is he will never force himself or his will upon you. You only, you only receive what you're willing to accept. I promise you today, I promise you it'll be the greatest gift you've ever received this side of glory because it's your ticket to the other side of glory. It's time to get serious about receiving the Holy Ghost. It's time to at least make attempts to come and pray and let the Holy Ghost move. So I, I want them to begin to sing today, and I'm just going to open this song. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day, and God bless.